It's an honor to be here. Just Andrew, and your story, uh, you took me right away to day six of 2015. I think about this day often. Uh, I was at Maple City Chapel in Goshen. It used to be an old Walmart uh, off of 33. And I remember we, we started to see there was about 400 people that were coming to this thing. And then on the sixth day, we started to see about 2,000 people gathering for prayer in Goshen. You know, anything, that building doesn't hold 2,000 people. And what happened is, is I remember I remember going sitting in a in a little room with our time revive team, which some of our time revive team members are here, and I sat down on the ground. And I remember thinking, God, I know that we're supposed to be done in seven days. But the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. He said, Kyle, quit planning me. You see, when you look at the, the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, over and over, it was like Paul went into one region for, you know, a couple days, sometimes it was a couple weeks, sometimes it was a couple months, and then sometimes he stayed in a place for a couple years. But for time to revive, we only do it for seven days. And he said, when are you going to trust me? I remember sitting, sorry, I'm a visual person, I remember sitting on the floor, and I had to talk to our team, and I remember just saying, guys... I think we're being called to stay here for 52 days. Now, you got to understand something. I got a wife and four kids. You don't just call your wife and say, hey, I'm going to stay here for seven weeks. Surprise! (laughs) But here's what I want to tell you we process so many things that we process out the Holy Spirit. And so I began to process this. And I remember talking to our, our, our team. Now, don't laugh at this. One of our team members had a cat. Who's going to take care of the cat for seven weeks? You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, all of these things that we've entrusted ourselves and surrounded ourselves with, we're like, what do we do? I remember weeping, saying, God, I don't know if I can stay for 52 days. And he says, you can't. And those 52 days went to, by the end of those those seven weeks, it turned into about 10,000 people. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I've studied the first great awakening and the second great awakening. I've studied the moves of God, and God, I want to taste that. Who doesn't? I mean, I, I went to school where they taught certain things that you don't see, but when you walk into Goshen Hospital, in the, in the emergency room, people are getting up and walking out. I wasn't taught that, but when a move of God breathes, you just get out of the way. We went to over 20-some factories. You guys, you guys know this. We don't shut down the factories here in Elkhart County. Money trumps everything. And so then all of a sudden, when we start coming into these factories, and we start seeing hundreds of people starting to hear the gospel, I'm like, God, this is something else. And when you begin to, you can't describe something, that's when you know it's not you. And so, man, you just took me to a whole different place right there. And then that opened the door for seven months. We were on the road. We went into Kokomo. Do you realize that the union at Chrysler partnered with us to get into Chrysler to share the gospel? Their chaplain announced in 2015, at the end of that year, our company's employee status is totally different. It's because of the gospel. And I remember thinking to myself, going back to that little room in that sixth day, what if our team, what if we didn't say yes? What I want to talk about tonight is, look, I I am not a master at this. Thanks for setting me up on that one. (laughs) 
but I know who is. And I would love to allow you and me tonight to, to tap into what does that look like? What does it look like to walk like the master does? Because I believe that when you and I begin to understand, now look, I understand this is a vineyard, then you guys are already supposed to know how to do all these things. But I guarantee in this country, a lot of us let things get bogged down. And I want to encourage you tonight on what does it mean to walk in the Spirit in real time. Because I believe in real time, when we do that, when this church, when this body of Christ, when I say the church, it's not the vineyard, it is the body. When we begin to walk in the Spirit, this place has no chance. And so, Anne, you had said something I think that was really special and it spoke to my heart and I feel like it's a word for this whole group. Uh, can, you, I, can you release that again? I think this is really important. Can you come on up and get a mic or, I don't, sorry. We're gonna walk in spirit. Oh yeah. I think this is just needs to be released over this group tonight. Yeah, I was driving in and it's a simple word, but uh, I was driving in and I heard it's time to flip the switch. And uh, off to on, you know, when you walk in the room, you flip this, just time to flip the switch. Amen. That's it. Amen. Amen. So here's what I want to propose tonight. What we're going to propose, based on the word of God, it's not super hard. But we're asking God to flip the switch on every one of you. You see, for me, how did Jesus get to that point? How did he get to that point where anything and everything, he's going to walk it out? We're going to walk through a text tonight on Luke 22, but I want to start it off by saying this. In Matthew 26, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture verses, and if you've got your notes, I want to flood them tonight. And I want you to write them, because to me, how the Lord works in my life is go back to the word. Go back to what you've heard. Tap back into that if you missed something. Matthew 26, in verses 12 through 13. Matthew 26, 12 through 13. Watch this. It says this. This is how Jesus, okay, this is how he prepared his heart to walk this thing out. He says, by pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she has prepared, for, uh, prepared me for burial. I assure you, whatever, wherever this gospel, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. And so Jesus, by receiving, yes, the anointing, prepared his heart to walk that out. Now, I already know, and you already know, in 1 John 2, it's pretty clear every one of us has the anointing. Do you realize that? In America, we have got to get past the point that it's no longer just a pastor or an evangelist or teacher. Every one of us has an anointing, and you have to believe that. That's how you begin to prepare your heart for what he wants to do in your life. And so Jesus, because of this one woman, gave up everything. He began to, yes, receive this anointing. But here it is, though. It's one thing to be ready with this anointing. It's another thing to actually be willing to do it. It's another thing to say, oh, man, I'm in. Six days, God's moving. I'm not doing more than eight days. But we do that, don't we? We all recognize we have the anointing. The challenge in the American church is are we willing to actually do something about it? I'm going to face a reality here. The lost doesn't care what's going on in here. They don't care. They care how you live it out there. 
And when you walk out the anointing willingly, now watch this. I love this text in Luke 9, 51. This is how I know Jesus was willing to do this. In Luke 9, 51, it says this. When the days were coming to a close for him, for Jesus to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. You know what that means? He's willing to walk out to the point of his death. When you receive this anointing, are you willing to walk it out to the point of no hold back? Don't just sing about it. We gotta live this thing out. And I have to tell you, it's been a course, it's been a journey, and it has been a progress for me to get to this point. And I don't have anything figured out except I just know I'm one step closer than I was yesterday. And we're gonna look at a text, and it comes from Luke 22. This is where we're gonna hang out tonight, okay? Luke 22, Jesus embraced his anointing and he was willing to walk it out in order to what I believe for you and I to walk out the Holy Spirit. This is kind of a fun text. In Luke 22, I'm going to read through the first six verses. Luke 22, 1 through 6. Hang in here with me as we read this text. Scripture says this, the festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was drawing near the chief priests and the scribes. They were looking for a way to put him to death, put Jesus to death, because they were afraid of the people. Then Satan, he entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests and temple police how he could hand them over to them. They were glad and agreed to give him silver, so he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus to them when the crowd was not present. So here you have a bunch of religious hanging out with the temple, uh, temple police. And because what happened is, is there's, a, there's a different views. One theologian says there's about 200,000 people coming for this festival. Another theologian, Josephus, a historian, he thought maybe there's 3 million. So either way, 200,000 to 3 million. There's a lot of people possibly coming into Jerusalem. And what the religious wanted to not do was stir the pot. They didn't want people to get all upset in a riot. So what did they do? Quietly, they pulled Judas aside. And they said, hey, let's do a deal behind the deal so that nobody else is getting in an uproar. Does that make sense? You have to understand this context. And so for me, remember, Satan entered Judas's heart. And where I want to go tonight is I want to begin to walk you through this process. How do you go from realizing that there's six days to 52 days? How do you realize the calling in your life? Whatever it is, don't have to worry about it. Don't make it big, you guys. I'm just talking about everyday stuff. How do we get to that point? I want to just say this. First of all, you have to write this down, please. Trust in God's timing. In order to walk out in the Holy Spirit, before you even think about listening to the Holy Spirit, do you think actually that God is in control? Because if you think and believe that God is in control, I promise you, then everything else begins to flow. In Luke 22, okay, watch this, in verse 7, it says, Then the day of unleavened bread, watch this text, came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus could have came into Jerusalem at any time, but he came specifically on God's timing. He came in. Now, there's seven festivals that the Jews would typically celebrate. Three of them were all of the men had to come. Okay, so when they're coming in on, on the festival of, of unleavened bread, Passover, now watch this. Passover, you guys know this, it was commemorated for what? The plague. The tenth night, right? The spirit of death did not come, so they what? They passed over. The spirit of death passed over. And, and by the way, I want to encourage you guys. Did you realize that everything in the law and the prophets, Matthew 5, 17 says, Jesus came not to destroy or abolish, but to fulfill. 
When you understand the depths of the Old Testament, the Torah and the Tanakh, when you understand those, you will see the Messiah in everything. And so when you understand God's timing, oh, hey, look, the festival of Passover is taking place. The festival of unleavened bread, the festival of unleavened bread. You guys remember what this is? Do you remember that everything was in such a hurry that they couldn't put what? Yeast into the bread. Why? Because they had to sit at the table, eat, and then they're out. They had to go, right? So the, the blood kept them from dying, the firstborns, and then all of a sudden they're eating the bread, and then they're out. They're literally with sandals on, and they're ready to go. So they're celebrating God's protection in their lives. This is the time that Jesus is coming. I think it's really important that you understand God always has a bigger picture. You have to trust in his timing. What most people do when they walk in the spirit, they forget the bigger picture. Just pull back. Just slow down. What is he doing? There's a text in 1 Corinthians. You guys have heard this. Verses 5, 7 through 8. Please write this down. You remember this? It says, clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new batch. You are indeed unleavened. For Christ our what? Our Passover has been sacrificed. So as Christ is coming in during the Passover, he's truly going to show them, I'm this guy. I am what you're celebrating. My blood that's going to be shed on the cross will allow you to be passed over. Trust in God's timing. And I love this illustration. I love this picture. For me, it means you really don't have it all figured out. You know, uh, kind of a, a crazy story uh, during the height of racism in the United States, and many people could say, well, when was that? I would just say in the last couple of years. Do you remember in April and May of last year, people were out protesting on bridges? Right or wrong doesn't matter to me. I'm just telling you, do you remember how high it was just heightened? And in Dallas, everything was just like this. COVID was at the same of the height. And you know what my family and I did? We went and had ice cream. Not because I took the, ser- the, the thing lightly. I just, I didn't know what else to do. I had friends on both sides in DFW. Like things were just becoming electric. So I took my kids out, my wife, and we we sat and we had ice cream at Tongue and Cheek. And as we're eating ice cream across the street in the parking lot, this is a mile from my house, there's a small little African-American, a black church called uh, Breaking of Bread, and they're singing in the parking lot. Ten people, that's it. And my wife looks at me. And my kids... (laughs) <laughs> they got to give you that look. And I was like, come on, let's go. This is totally of the Lord. And so we went and we go over and after we ate our ice cream, by the way. <laughs> and we come up and they're just singing. Now look, I'm, I'm going to be as black, as white as I can. And I'm, this isn't racism stuff, but like there's black people on the left side and white people on the right side. My family and theirs. And I was like, we got to switch this thing up. So we just started integrating in hands, and we started holding hands, and we started praying that night. Little did I know that that little tongue-in-cheek ice cream would lead to a whole year of every Friday night, as much as we could, we would be out serving food as a family to our neighborhood. God opened the door, but now watch this. This lady, the pastor, is originally from Flint, Michigan. Now look, before Revive Indiana, we did what was called Revive Flint. You ever want to know, how did I start learning how to share the gospel? I went to the hood. And I would say it there, like God showed me how to love. And it was awesome. It changed my life, actually. 
I don't like pit bulls, by the way, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't, it's too many stories, right, Tony? Dear Lord. Anyway, so here this chaplain is from Flint. 2010, I'm now in 2020, and all of a sudden we have a heart connection. Just trust in God's timing. Now watch, watch how God works. For a whole year we're serving food, and now all of a sudden this pastor of a church of 10 or 15 becomes the chaplain of the largest Texas state prison in our state. All right, now, <laughs> I don't like hanging out in prisons a ton. I like going there, sharing the gospel. It's 4,000 inmates. She's the only female, she's the only chaplain and the only female chaplain in the whole prison. That's crazy. And she calls me, she says, hey, Kyle, would you bring your team? And we do what's called Revive School. Some of you maybe have heard of this. We did Genesis through Revelation, 66 books. We taught where do you see the Messiah in every book of the Bible. We started this in County Road 35 at Sylvan and Connie Esch's house in their barn. On County Road 35. It started for 12 Amish guys, true. It then went to 500, and a year and a half later, only by God's grace, is it in 52 nations. I don't know how to describe this, except we are out of the way and... The Holy Spirit has breathed on this thing. I, I, I was talking to people in Lebanon today. And this lady calls me. She said, let's get it into the Texas State Prison. Just this week, we got approved for any of the prisons in Texas to get in. And do you know how it worked? You just trust in God's timing. I didn't try to figure out why am I holding their hands? Why am I serving food? I just did it. And I believe the church sometimes, charismatic or conservative, I just think we overthink it. Just trust in his timing. And then let God be God. You see, this whole trust in his timing, Jesus did it when he walked into this festival. And to me, that's incredible. And by the way, I just got to tell you this. Have you ever heard of Prison Fellowship, Chuck Colson's ministry? <laughs> They're all over the world. Their government just wrote a letter that said, we want 8,000 inmates in our country of, of Malawi to do revived school. 8,000 inmates. We did nothing. you got to understand something. When you trust God, he will show up. 54 prisons in Zambia have asked us. All of the prisons in Uganda have asked us. I'm not a prison ministry. But I trust God. And you've got to believe he knows what he's doing in your life. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So how do you walk in the spirit? How do you flip the switch? Just trust in his timing. Because you see, for me in this process, watch this, in Luke 22, 8, this is an incredible text. Remember, he's coming in Luke 22, 8. It says, Jesus, it says on your screen here as well, Jesus, he sent Peter and John, so these are, the, these are his buddies. Really. Do you guys, have you ever seen the, 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 
uh, the documentary, it's not a documentary, the series Chosen. Don't you love how they portray the disciples? That's totally us. Where is Jesus? You know, they're like sarcastic with each other and all this stuff, right? So Jesus is sending his two buddies. And eventually these two become like the chief guys of all of the church. And he sends Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover meal for us so we can eat it. When you trust in God's timing, he will give you direction. Okay, so the timing has been set. The table has been set. You can't force that time. But in the process of trusting, he's going to give you direction. And I love, love, love this text. Because there's an old professor of mine. It says that Jesus, he says this, Tom Constable, he says, Jesus comes across as the one who is in control and is quietly directing the events to the cross. Okay, did you catch that? He's always in control of giving you direction. He's always, always in control. And I won't give you all the specifics, but when you study the background of of Jewish festivals, it was required that people, they would band together in a group of 10 or more in order to eat the entire lamb. So what are these guys told to do? Get a room for our disciples. Like, when he gives you direction, can I just tell you something? It's not usually that difficult. We think it has to be, which is why we never walk out the simple things, because we're waiting for the big things. Let's see what you do with the small stuff first. He'll give you direction, and so it's pretty clear what he does. Now, here's the challenge. How do you know if it's him? In John 10, verse 27, many of you could quote this by heart, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So here's what I conclude based on this text. We're his sheep. He speaks to us, and then what do we tangibly do? We follow him. It means we're moving. It means we're doing something. We're not just sitting. We're following him. There's a guy named Stephen uh, Costello, and I love what he said. He, he said there's, and I, I would agree with this, and I've ten, kind of put this to the test, I actually believe this is true. I think you hear four voices. Don't throw me out yet. I think you hear four voices when he gives you direction. The first voice, if you believe, now watch this, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that he is your Lord and Savior, we believe that you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Amen? If that's the case, the first voice you hear is the Holy Spirit. You wake up, the first voice you should hear is the Holy Spirit. The second voice, write this down, is your voice trying to figure out if it's his voice. (laughs) Does anybody play that game? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. What was that? No, the third voice, write this down, is the enemy saying you never heard his voice in the first place. And this is an ongoing game that I actually think the church plays. I think you and I play this game all the time, every day. Did I hear it? Is that him? No, that's not him. The fourth voice, if you're not careful, is others speaking into that that will take that whole thing away. So you got to be careful who you surround yourself with. I have four kids, two of them. I have two girls in high school. One of them just started dating. 
I'm praying she hears his voice, <laughs> right? I'm a dad, man. I got three daughters, man. The only way I can make this is that they have to hear his voice. And so I want to encourage you guys. You hear his voice. He's giving you direction. Peter and John, hey, by the way, can you just go and set this up? Now, watch in Luke 22, 9. All of us do this. Every one of us does this. At some point, we ask for clarification. You trust in God's timing. Everything's set up, and then he gives you directions like, I want you to go this way. And then you're like, is that for real? Luke 22, verse 9. Watch what the text says. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Hey, well, can, you just, can you just GPS and Google? Tell me, tell me, give me the details. We all want it, don't we? Every one of us. And I believe that when you're walking through this chasing God mentality, all of us want to know what does it look like. I love what uh, uh, Larissa said last night. and It's just totally the Lord. I was, we were just talking in Dallas. Michael and her husband, Pastor Michael, we were good friends. And, and I was like, yeah, Larissa's speaking at the Chasing God conference. I was like, is it the same one? <laughs> like, that wasn't any offense to anybody. I was just like, nobody really knows me. I know people know the upper room, but I'm like, are we? And then we're on the same plane, and like, I just love when God, watches confirms the specifics. He does that in your life. But don't be afraid, right, to ask for clarification. Can you go back to that text for me, Luke 22, verse 9? Look what they ask, though. Where do who? You. Where do you? Jesus, I need you, not, not me figure it out. For clarification, you ask him. Ask Jesus. He knows. He's in control. You know, I, <laughs> this is kind of funny. I was in Jerusalem. We, we go to Jerusalem a lot. We were working with the Israeli government. Uh, we did some things with prayer on a worldwide basis. It's really unique. And I'm standing in line in Jerusalem. <laughs> And we're at a salad bar, right? And the Holy Spirit says, tap the guy on the shoulder in front of you. Like in Jerusalem, you don't like, you just don't do those things. And then he said, before I tap them, he goes, I want you to invite him to hang out with you the whole day tomorrow. <laughs> That's what I did. I laughed too. <laughs> now, can I just tell you this? Prior to that, I was mad. My buddies we're on the other side of the banquet hall. This is, so, this is so childish. All of my friends were over there. I was by myself. Anybody else lived in that pity party? Right? This isn't what I thought, and we planned this thing. <laughs> I think we'd work that out a little bit better. So I'm kind of, I'm a little bit like wallowing. And so I tap the guy on the shoulder, go, hey, I just want to introduce myself. I'm not going there right away. He goes, hey, man, my name's Mark. I go, hey, I'm Kyle. I go, hey. Want to hang out with me tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, what? He goes, well, um, I go, where, hang on, where are you from? He goes, I'm from Albania. Oh, I was like, I don't even know where that is. <laughs> Do you? And then he goes, you know, the Balkan states. I'm like, that's not helping me at all. I thought maybe it was the East Coast, the Baltic states, whatever. None of that was working. And he goes, well, actually, I'm from Ohio. Well, I'm from Indiana. I'm originally from Middlebury. My folks, uh, I was born and raised here. And, uh, and we began to talk. I said, I'm just going to tell you what I heard from the Lord. And I said, it was very clear. 
I said, would you hang out with us at the Sea of Galilee with my friends? And I go, if you want to meet my friends first, I understand. He goes, no, I'm, I'm in. And I go, what? <laughs> but let me just tell you this. I'm serious. When you ask for his guidance and his direction, he'll give it to you. You just have to believe it. So here's what's crazy. The guy comes with us. We're all day at the Sea of Galilee. We're on our way home. <laughs> and I go, why are you here? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I go, man, I just, I just got to tell you this. This is super bizarre. I go, uh, I just have a heart for embassies in Jerusalem. Can you help me? He goes, you know, I know most of the presidents and prime ministers in the Balkan states. And I go, what does that mean? And he goes, I'll introduce you. I'll shorten the story. Uh, I have some friends that were a part of, have a heart for Israel. And the next thing you know, I am meeting with the prime minister of Kosovo. This is a crazy story. I have no business being in the room with an all-Muslim country prime minister. Except one thing. God told me. And I want to remember one thing in my heart. Do you remember how I got there? I just tapped a guy on a salad bar line. Now here's where it gets crazy. So all the Kosovars, they're all on one side. The prime minister, and by the way, this prime minister, he was charged twice at the world, world court, Hague, have you guys heard of the Hague? For murder. 300 people. And the night before, I get a prophetic word that says you need to address the bloodshed with the prime minister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is my thought process. But I got to go back to the salad bar. You see, when God gives you direction and you ask for clarification, you either have a choice to respond or not. So I went before my Israeli friends, I went before my American friends, and you know what I did? I said to them, hey, I'm going to talk to the prime minister about bloodshed. And they go, no, you're not. <laughs> and so I said, fine, I'm not. So we go into the meeting. They're all there, we're all here. I'm the last guy, I'm the prayer guy. I'm going to pray for the meeting at the end. It's all coming, and it is like building. Have you ever just sensed in your spirit you're supposed to do something, but you're freaking out? That was me. Am I going to die? That, I'm not trying. Like, that's, that was my thought. And I looked at my buddy Drew, my cameraman. I go, I'm going there. He goes, what? Let me get my camera. <laughs> so he busts this thing out. And uh, I'll just tell you this. <laughs> when it was all said and done, we circled up and prayed and asked for forgiveness. Almost a year later, the only Muslim country today uh, that has put an embassy in Jerusalem to support Israel is Kosovo. Do you guys remember when President Trump gathered the Serbs and the Kosovars together? Please don't ever underestimate his voice in your life. If you need a, a, a qualifier, I grew up on Highland Drive in Middlebury. Don't ever use, I'm from one place or another place. Don't ever use, I don't have this or that. You have the spirit of the resurrected Christ inside of you. 
And it's time that the church just flips the switch and believes you have the power and the authority to walk out in the Spirit of God. You know what those kind of meetings do for you? They pump you up. (laughs) This is not what I was going to say, but I like that better. It's fine. It works. God, I need a word. Boom, there it is. Oh, Lord. Thank you. Romans 13, 14. Write this down, please. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. When you put on Christ, this works. It works. Now watch this. This text continues. In Romans 8, verse 5, write this down. For those who live according to the flesh, they think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. When you wake up, everything should revolve around the Holy Spirit working in your life. What else is he doing in there anyway? (laughs) So what's a filter for knowing if it's actually God? (laughs) I think that's a fair question, isn't it? Like, do you want me to tap or not? How do you know then that's him? If you said, okay, this is him, here's some filters. I think this is really helpful. Stephen Castillo, I love what he wrote here as well. First of all, your filter should always be the word of God. What's gotten muddy in our country, I have seven churches around my area in Richardson, Texas, a a suburb of Dallas, is that most of the churches around me don't believe that 100% of this is true. You have to decide 100% or none. There's no 90 or 95 or this applies or this doesn't apply. When you believe this is your authority, everything is your basis off of this. It's called the cannon, the measuring rod. And when you start living this, nothing gets in the way. That's your filter. Number two, what's another filter? Your scriptures is one, but a community. You have to surround yourself with the body of Christ. God didn't design us to be loners. So what's another filter? Hey, I heard from the Holy Spirit this. And then begin to seek out counsel. Elders, deacons, your small groups, your life groups, whatever the context is. But go to your community. I love number three. A filter is this. Have you seen fruit in this area already? Does that that make sense? I'll never forget. uh, I don't be very candid. Uh, and I, we grew up in Middlebury, so we are very, very familiar with the Amish community. I love the Amish community. But I also know that when you start talking about relationship with Jesus, you begin to step on some toes in certain areas. Not all of them. Not all of them. Please understand this. And I'll never forget what they said to me. They said, if this is of God, it will last. If it's of man, it will stop. It's crazy to me that you would mention, here we are six years later. And by the way, we did a revived school in Indiana And what's crazy is I see a crew right here, Revive School, there's a Revive School young adults in this community that's launched since we've left. That might sound small to you, but that's fruit for us. That's tangible fruit. And I think for me, how do you filter out what you're hearing? Is there fruit? When I see countries that started one country in Botswana to now nine groups in Botswana, when I see 21, 20-some, is that right, Joel Helmuth? 20-some, 22 groups, How many? 25 groups in South Africa that are growing. We have a group in Morocco, an Arabic translating team. I don't know Arabic, but we have a translating team now that is, yes, doing this. It's fruit. So I think for me, when you filter out these things, 
Is there actual fruit? Now, number four, if you need clarification, God's giving you direction. Okay, fair enough. He's giving you direction. You've asked, okay, and I like this. You've asked for clarification. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to listen for specifics. Don't tell God what the specifics are. Listen. How do I know what the specifics are? In Luke 22, verse 10 and 12. Remember, the disciples said, hey, hey, can you give us a little bit more details? And he said, listen, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house. The teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat? And the scripture continues, the Passover with my disciples. Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. That's a whole lot of specifics. How many of us would love to get to that point of hearing the Lord? I think you're getting there when a kid says, I need you to sit. It's like sitting in a unicorn pillow. That is very specific. How many pictured yourselves there? I was like, that is so good. <laughs> but, like, but like to me, that's when he's downloading specifics. He can do that all the time. And, you know, uh, Mark and Steve, I love when you guys say there's no junior Holy Spirit. Remember, there's no retired Holy Spirit either. He wants to give you specifics, but don't talk. Listen. They ask very specific, God, I I need you to download. I need you. Now watch this. We know this, and you've heard this text over and over again. At that point, it was always common for women to carry the water jugs. Men would actually carry it in leather. So all of a sudden, he flips it. Here's what I love about how God works. When he gives you specifics, he's already prepared somebody else to walk in the Holy Spirit so that you can join them. You think about this. I actually believe, can I prove this? No, but I think it actually makes sense in that context. I actually think the water jug guy is in on the deal. I think he heard from the Holy Spirit as well. I think he heard from Jesus. He was getting ready that these two guys are gonna get ready. He's like, hey, you guys, let's go. So you know what that means? It's a collective effort. When you isolate yourself, you know what you start thinking? It's all about you. But when you listen in the Holy Spirit, you begin to think, you know what? God's really moving collectively. This morning I was on, uh, if you guys are familiar with WFRN 104.7, I was on this morning with Doug and uh, Cody wasn't in, but Jeff was. And you know, as we were talking, I shared a story about I was on an airplane. This has just happened a couple months ago, and there was a lady next to me. She speaks Spanish, so I was really bummed because I love to talk about Jesus, and I took five years of Spanish, <laughs> a couple years at Northridge, a couple years at Taylor, and I know nada, nothing. So when she started speaking Spanish, I was like, ah. So I pulled out my Bible, and I just started reading. My wife was there. She, was kind of start, she started to sleep. And the next thing you know, this lady next to me, she's like, hey, is that a Bible? And I go, in my mind, I'm like, that's English. <laughs> I was excited. I was seriously excited. And so then she said, I'm on my way for three months. I deal with depression and anxiety. Can you help me know God? Well, <laughs> yes, sure. All right, now in the process, this lady comes to know the Lord. Okay, it's such a cool story. But in the middle of it, God said, you're going to baptize her. And I'm like, uh, that's really high up. <laughs> and then I logically think, where? So I start asking for specifics. And the Lord said, you're going to baptize her in the DFW airport. And I'm like, I still don't understand God. And before I landed, he spelled it all out for me. And the best part is I leaned over to my wife. I go, hey, you're going to baptize somebody. <laughs> like, it wasn't for me. It was for my wife. 
And so we ended up buying some water. And by the way, because of school, we're in Accra, Ghana. The lady at the counter in Accra, Ghana, the water chug lady, she helped me. <laughs> you see, God sets it up. It's not about you. It's about the body. And then he gets the glory. So I got the water. I give it to my wife. She goes into the family restroom. She's like, this doesn't make any sense. Because if I'm supposed to baptize her, nobody's going to see us in a family restroom. It's just us. So she leaves. That's the Spirit of God. Goes into the women's restroom so more people can see her. And she pours water on. She gets baptized. Some of you are like, it wasn't three times. It wasn't an immersion. I... That stuff just needs to go in the name of Jesus. In order to flow in the Spirit, it's based on the Word, but it doesn't contradict the Word. And so she gets baptized. Well, we tell that story this morning on WFRN. Doug Moore, if you got, do you guys, anybody listen to WFRN? Okay, so Doug all of a sudden confesses two years ago, I had an opportunity to baptize Doug in his parking lot in a mobile baptism truck. Yes, I own a, we own a mobile baptism truck. <laughs> Okay, whatever. But that's another story. And Doug, at 47, he said this on the air this morning. And he said, you know, I was 47 years old. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to Taylor. I did all these things. I'm a radio host of a, of a well-known Christian station, and I had never been baptized in my life. I was embarrassed to admit it. And then he said, I got baptized. He shared that today on the air. We've never shared that story. The next thing you know, on air this morning, we're saying, hey, does anybody want to get baptized? And then the phones began to ring. <laughs> and the emails and the Facebook. And I want to just show you a couple pictures here if we can. This is today, by the way, in South Bend. So because we just shared one story, can we go? Uh, yeah, thank you. Okay, this is Joanna in the white towel. We're in downtown South Bend. It's a women and infant center. Uh, she had a Catholic background. All of this is on air. And she said, I've, I, I need to be baptized. So she had 11 co-workers. I know they're not all represented there. And she got baptized in the middle of the workday today. Today. Amen. Uh, amen. Okay, now watch. Keep going. Let's go to the next one if you can, okay? Just as, I think this is really unique. So then there's another lady named Maria. Maria is a listener of WFRN. This is real time, by the way. And can I just tell you this? This was not my plan today. Hey, what are we going to do? Let's baptize this afternoon. No, but to me, when you trust in his timing, God released a Doug Moore getting baptized today. That was two years ago. I wanted to tell everybody Doug got baptized, and I just waited. And Maria, uh, this is on Ireland Road, by the way. And uh, Maria said, my son is in a part of a homeschool group. They meet at this church, and I want all of them to see, including my son, that I'm going to get baptized. So the school, and I watch this, rearranged stuff and said, come on. So because of sweet Maria, let's go to the next picture. Uh, two of those kids today said yes to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Now, let's just keep going. One more. Let's keep going. I, this is, I just, I love this. This is April. She drove 50 minutes from where, Sylvan? Dwajak, Michigan, to get baptized by herself. Nobody else was with her. But the Spirit of God, it laid on her heart to walk this thing out. <laughs> Isn't this awesome? Now, okay, keep going. I got one more. One more picture. Okay? This lady is 83 years old. Evelyn. 
You see, when you trust in God's timing, he'll give you direction. When you ask for clarification, he'll give you specifics. And on the air today, he said, Kyle, tell everybody you have a mobile baptism truck here. I could have justified and said, you know what? I'm only here for a little bit. I'd like to see my family. I'd like to get ready for tonight, right? You can play all these games. That's not how it works in the spirit, by the way. It's not how that works. And I think for me, when you begin to hear the specifics, these guys were told to go find a pre-arranged room. And God had it all set up. I love this. Has anybody ever done an Airbnb before? This is a Jerusalem Airbnb. You realize that. I'm serious. Like, (laughs) I know that's so cheesy, but it's true. God has already prepared everything for you to walk in. You've got to believe that, though. And I actually believe when you're chasing God in this conference, in this mindset, it means you're actually walking it out. I love what Larissa said, and I love what the upper room brings. They bring this presence-based, presence-based. You are getting to that point. When I love one of our brothers said, you're getting rid of your will, amen? And when you get to that point, you'll begin to walk this thing out. Just as a total side note, the Upper Room and Time Revive, we are probably this close. We are preparing to doing something nationally next year together. I believe when you encounter his presence, you have no choice but to live it out. That's why I think even this two nights was specific. I think it's an affirmation of what we've been working on. And you had no idea. Nobody does. Now you do, but... Can I I just say this, though? Because I think this is important. Sometimes when he's prepared something, it's so big, (laughs) you have have no idea. This is the upper room we're talking about that they found. You realize that, right? This is the upper room that they're going from crucifixion to Pentecost. This is the place for the disciples. And they thought they were going just to get something ready for Passover. (laughs) So what are barriers for us? They get in the way from us finding the upper rooms in our life. What are those things that get in the way? And I I love these. Again, these are not for me, and I have no problem. Nothing is ever for me. Stephen Castillo, he says this. Number one, not in any order, but I think fear is a major deal in you trying to find, listening, walking out, and finding the upper room. I think fear is a massive deal. Do you know what it's like going to a parking lot with a mobile baptism truck to complete strangers? Want to get in the water? There's nothing normal about that. And you can process fear in everything. Amen? And I just want to release something that I love about this church. And Dave and Deanna Black, I think this is really cool. Dave and Deanna Black, Deanna, how am I doing? Am I, 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 just, need to, I just need to run. She's the camera lady back there, by the way. And Dave and Deanna, she said quit. We used to go to the church together in Middlebury for years, all our life. And I saw you guys last night, and it was just like, wow. (laughs) And I just want to tell you this. (laughs) What I saw and heard from you guys last night about this church is that you guys, you stayed open. You didn't function in fear. That's the Spirit of God moving in your leadership. And I want to honor that to me, honor to you guys, because I think that's huge. (laughs) 
So like, here's how this works. Walking in the Spirit, when you're modeled, you want more of it. So when that fear is out of the window, guess what else you have to get rid of? Busyness. <laughs> Amen? Come on. I don't have my mom here like Larissa did. But I know this side was active last night. Like, busyness is totally a bummer, man. It gets in the way of everything. Oh, I can't come. I can't do this. I can't do this. What if we played that game today with the baptism stuff this afternoon? Right? 83-year-old lady gets baptized. That's awesome. Two kids say yes. Jack and Jed say yes. Brother, seven and six years old, said yes today. Busyness in the name of Jesus must be gone. Number three, I think that one of the ways that it gets in the way of us hearing God is I believe there's a false identity of ourselves. That's not me. I don't think like that. That's not how I live. Do you not know who I used to be? I think that false identity just needs to go in the name of Jesus. Number four, this is a big one, past experiences. In order to walk it out in the Holy Spirit, I think we've had some bad past experiences. Do you know that I've had people pray for me almost in every city for tongues? Okay? And this is a true story. Rich, this is the weirdest story you'll ever hear. I'm glad I'm telling it now after you've already asked me. I had people take me into a room and try to punch tongues out of me. It's not biblical, by the way. And I'm not making light of them, but it was like, hallelujah! And it didn't come. So what do we do on our past experiences? We let those things get in the way of us believing that it could be real. Would you agree? In the name of Jesus, those past experiences be gone. I think also, number five, I think theology is another issue that we have. If we didn't grow up with a certain way of hearing his voice, or we didn't believe that we could walk this out, therefore we're frozen. And I actually believe one of the number one issues in the American church, and it doesn't apply to everybody, so please hear me say that, is I believe we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. And you can say, well, man, I'm in a vineyard church, I'm seeing this. I'm telling you guys, when you see the Holy Spirit move, you don't have control. And so we don't talk about this because we like our control. Theology is a major issue in our country. So how do you combat it? Walk it out. They, can't, they cannot refute the stories of God working in your life. There's still an embassy in Kosovo, in Jerusalem. When God moves, he shows up. And then the last thing, number six, a barrier. I believe it's pretty real. And I, I, I think uh, you guys said earlier on, and I think this is a powerful, I wasn't here the first night, but unforgiveness is a massive issue. I think you can even categorize that as unforgiveness or bitterness, but when there are those things in your life you really have no desire to prepare an upper room. <laughs> Can I just prophetically say this? They got Jesus ready for the first time. We're getting ready for the second time. I believe in our lifetime, you and I will experience the return of Christ. That's not predicting time. Paul lived like that. But can I just tell you this? Do you realize there's 10 translation ministries in the world? They're working together. It's funded by Hobby Lobby. This isn't a one-world deal. And they are now estimating, this is so crazy, that within a certain time, time period, everybody in the world will actually have a chance to hear. They've never been able to say that except in our lifetime. If that's the case, we better start preparing the upper room. In your life and in mine. How do you get to that point? Ask 
for specifics. And then this is the very last, number five, okay? Thank you for just walking through this with me. I think to me, uh, I'm a very practical guy. I love what Andrew said. I don't think actually I've ever heard anybody call me intellectual ever, actually. Um, <laughs> it kind of made me laugh. Master and intellectual, you guys really, you really, I'll send you a different bio next time. <laughs> No, but I'm serious though, like, (laughs) we make this so hard and it's not. Trust in his timing. Know that he's going to give you direction. (laughs) If you don't know, ask. And then he's going to give you specifics. And then here's the fifth one, Luke 22, verse 13. So they went and found it just as he told them, and they prepared the Passover. You know what they did? They obeyed in faith. They obeyed in faith. <laughs> Can I just tell you, this is, this is absolutely amazing. Peter and John, because they knew the culture, because they knew the Old Testament, they knew the ways of the Jewish festivals, which, by the way, I think is actually important. It says, Peter, and this comes from Warren Wearsby, Peter and John would have purchased. This is what they would have had to do to prepare. Okay? So this wasn't just a, a check. They didn't just go. They had to do some things. Peter and John would have purchased an approved lamb and take it to the temple to be slain. Then they would take the lamb and other elements of the supper to the house where they planned to meet, and there the lamb would be roasted. The table would be furnished with wine, unleavened bread, and paste of the bitter herbs. And they did all of this before Christ came into the room. So when you obey in faith, be prepared to actually do it. And I actually believe in my spirit. The Lord heard very, I heard very clearly tonight. So many of you are already at this point and now it's just time to obey. Like I actually believe you're hearing. I actually believe you've heard specifics. But here's the thing. Now you gotta start obeying. To me, that's the definition of revival. Obedience in what he's asking you to do. Because in that process, you are telling everybody, I have been revived. And so this obedience in faith, I think for me, (laughs) is as real as it will come. And yeah, you know, uh, I want to just close if I can have this prayer time, if if that's okay. I, I, uh, I think this is really, really important to be able to respond to the word. I love what you guys did last night. I believe the Lord set a posture last night in order to prepare for tonight. I believe he put us at a place where we're surrendering our flesh. We're surrendering our will. That's how, the, that's how God works. So now he says, now I want you to tangibly walk it out. And so, you know, I, I'm, you can do it up front. You can do it in your seats. But would you just ask the Lord, Lord, am I ready to do this? I'm serious. That's a real simple question. Am I ready to do this? Am I ready to do this? And when you hear yes, say, what do you want me to do with it then? Because if he says, you don't hear that you're ready, you know what you need to do? Ask for specifics. If you're not ready to do this, ask for clarification. But if he says yes, you know what I want you to do? Say, God, now what do you want me to do with it? And then, this is where the fun begins. You begin to start tapping people on shoulders. It's called getting ready for his return.